You're listening to Nurse Converse, presented by Nurse.org, a collaborative podcast amplifying diverse nurse voices. Get ready for a dose of inspiration, a sprinkle of education, and a whole lot of community. Nurse Chanel here, and my topic today is who's caring for the nurse. And in addition to caring for patients, we may also be doing so under the pressure of high patient workloads, constant demands, and low staffing. So it's only right that we as nurses take the time to find out who is taking care of the nurse while the nurse takes care of everyone else. And the four topics I'm going to be covering today is number one, the nursing profession, number two, burnout, number three, self-care, and number four, resilience. And so just to tell you a little bit about myself, I've been a nurse for a little bit over 12 years. For the first part of my career, I was a nurse in med surge step down. And then for five years, I did CBICU, which is cardiovascular and intensive care unit. And then for the last two years, I've actually worked in nurse staff development for a private employer um, in the Mid-South region, which I currently reside in Memphis, Tennessee. So getting right into the first topic, the nursing profession and where we stand. Nurse.org published the 2023 State of Nursing Report that revealed the realities of nursing. And so they did a survey on, well, 2,100 nurses, and those nurses basically gave them feedback on how the nursing community was doing. And what I loved about the report was that they, that the different nurses were not just from one area, like the bedside, but they worked in different areas of nursing and they had different um, backgrounds, educational levels. And so three things that I took away from that report that I wanted to share here in this episode is number one, that when they were asked the primary reason for becoming a nurse, they're first reason was to help others. And then the second reason was because of the different specialties and career options that you could choose from nursing. So I thought that was awesome. And then the second thing was that 60% of the nurses said that they loved being a nurse. So even though the nursing profession is can be challenging, we as nurses, we still love what we do. But in addition to that, 62% of the nurses responded that they were concerned about the future of nursing. And then the third thing that I got from that report that I wanted to share in this episode today is that 81% of nurses said that they felt burned out in the past year, slightly less than in 2021. So it's a 2023 report. And so it's kind of based off the previous year or so, 2021 and 2022, which we know in 2021, we were all dealing with what? COVID. And I think we all have some PTSD coming from there. So in addition to the report, even though nursing is widely known as a noble profession, it is still projected to continue experiencing a nursing shortage. And so according to the American Association of Nurse Colleges of Nursing, the RN workforce is projected to increase to around 3.3 million nurses by the year 2030. However, 200,000 RN openings are expected each year leading up to the year 2030. And these findings are based on retiring nurses and nurses who will potentially leave the workforce. And other factors contributing to the nursing shortage is an aging population, which means a greater need for medical care, combined with restricted nursing school enrollment due to a shortage of nursing school faculty. And then we also have already being short-staffed in the healthcare setting. And so it's like a never-ending cycle. So with all of this that the nursing profession is experiencing, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And it's only right to ask the following questions. Do you feel emotionally drained? 
Do you wake up exhausted after having an adequate amount of sleep? Do you dread going to work? Do you feel stressed when you think about work? Do you find yourself insensitive to things you would usually be empathic towards? Do you think about quitting your nursing job often? Do you no longer find joy in going to work? Do you feel overwhelmed more often than not? Do you feel obligated to work overtime? And do you find yourself more cynical or judgmental? Now, if you answer yes to most of these questions, you may be experiencing signs or symptoms of burnout. Experiencing burnout may be inevitable throughout our nursing career because we probably experienced it in nursing school before we even got to the bedside. But how do we identify it, address it, prevent it, or just reset when possible? So that leads into my second topic, burnout, a self-assessment and awareness. So first, what is burnout? According to an article titled Supporting the Health and Professional Well-Being of Nurses, published by the National Institute of Health, burnout is characterized by emotional exhaustion, feeling emotionally drained, and depersonalization. So in other words, you no longer enjoy your job or have an empathy toward the things or issues that you usually would. Now, what are the risks of burnout? Burnout has been proven to lead to compassion fatigue, which Burnout and compassion fatigue is not one and the same, but they're right there together. Burnout can lead to high turnover rates because if the nurse is burned out, he or she is probably more likely to leave that job. And then you have new nurses that come into an environment where the staff may already be burned out. And so that new nurse don't want to stay. So then there's just that evolving door um, of people leaving, right? And then there's poor patient outcomes, because when you're burned out, you're probably not in tune with all that you could catch when you're taking care of a patient. Um, And then in addition to that, you have personal illnesses. You make yourself, we can be vulnerable to personal illnesses like depression, anxiety, and even suicide. And so while it is possible to care for others while caring for yourself, doesn't mean that it should be done. So how do we overcome burnout? There's no definite answer, but I believe we can start by doing things that we can control. And those things could be intentionally changing our priorities to better care for our physical and mental well-being. No longer letting the environment control us, but controlling the environment because we bring our best version of ourselves to it. And doing so requires what is called self-care. Leading us to my third topic, self-care, making the necessary changes. Now, Ayana Vanzant says it best. My cup runneth over. What comes out of my cup is for you all, but what's in the cup is mine. So I have to keep my cup full. In other words, you can't pour from an empty cup. So do not attempt to pour from an empty cup in your own life metaphorically. You have to take the time to care for yourself and keep your cup full. Now, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, self-care is taking the time to do the things that are necessary for your overall well-being. Your well-being includes your physical and mental health. Now, one or both can be unhealthy. So it's essential to strive to be the best version of yourself while wanting the best for your patients and your peers. 
Keith Carlson in his article on nurse.org titled Five Simple Care Practices for Busy Nurses, and we're not talking a spa day. He emphasizes that self-care is not rocket science, and it can differ from person to person. He explains how to use the nursing process to actually identify our self-care needs. So he suggests that we perform a self-care assessment, identify or diagnose our self-care deficit, and then plan a course of action implement the plan, and then evaluate our progress. So a good example of this would be, for me, is just saying like, hey, I'm tired. And so I assess that I'm tired. I diagnose that I have a self-care deficit related to rest as evidenced by feeling tired. You like how I'm taking you back to nursing school here. And then I plan a course of action. And that's just planning a nighttime routine, trying to be in bed by a certain time, putting down my cell phone, turning off the lights, right? And then I implement the plan. I actually do it and then evaluate my progress. Is this working for me or do I need to switch it up or modify and do something differently? So whether you have identified some areas of self-care that require improvement just by being on this episode today or just want to be more intentional about your self-care, let's explore some helpful tools and knowledge to promote physical and mental health. So with physical health, the three main things we talk about is regular exercise, healthy eating, and staying hydrated. So here I'm going to give you some knowledge, even though we know we know the knowledge most of the time because we're actually educating our patients, but it's another thing to practice what we preach to our patients. So with I'm going to give you some knowledge today. So with regular exercise, the American Heart Association actually recommends 150 minutes per week of moderate to intense aerobic activity or 75 minutes of vigorous aerobic activity. But my suggestion is that we start small and remember consistency is key because doing small things over time will make the biggest impact versus you start big and then you just fall off. You don't accomplish anything. And so some other resources that I wanted to give you just to be kind of creative is to look into fitness apps, YouTube videos, active gym memberships. And I say active gym memberships because you actually have to get up and go to the gym and utilize the equipment, right? Um, And then live workouts on social media. I actually ended up on a live reel on TikTok, which I end up seeing weird stuff most of the time. But there was a young lady who was doing a workout and she had her weights and she had a workout mat and she was walking you through the workout. And I was like, I can do this. But did I do it at that time? No. So in addition to live workouts on social media, um, don't forget about yoga and Pilates. So as for me, for yoga, I love yoga. And what I have actually been doing for the last few years is following a yoga instructor on YouTube every January because she does 30 days of yoga in January. And I just love it because it's a kickstart for me to stay creative or get creative with working out. And then I just take her yoga routines and I freestyle them throughout the rest of the year because I don't always have time to get up get out of bed, turn on the TV, find the YouTube channel, get my mat out. So sometimes it's like, you just got to get to it, right? But that is what I've listed for exercise. Just get creative. Now let's get into healthy eating. I didn't want to say healthy diet because we don't like the word diet. But with healthy eating, the main thing is, of course, eating a well-balanced meal of fruits, vegetables, and proteins. And of course, limiting sugar and sodium intake, limiting prepackaged foods, reducing consumption of fried foods and fat intake. And then for me, when I actually, when I worked at the bedside for 12 hours, my typical day of just trying to stay nourished 
would be eating breakfast and having a cup of coffee before I actually went to work. And that may be just a bowl of oatmeal, um, a bagel, um, some toast, just whatever you like for your breakfast food. And then I'll get to work, get bedside report, and I will let my patients know that, hey, I'm gonna have a cup of coffee and sit at the desk, look over your chart so that I can see what your plan of care is today. And then I will start passing medications. I plan on passing medications between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. And so then I'll get the opportunity to do that. And my patients, I set the expectation for them and they most likely didn't bother me because I let them know what my schedule was. And then once I pass meds and kind of documented on the go, because we usually have computer on wheels because we're scanning our meds, I will take that 10 to 11 o'clock time and I will step away for a five to 10 minute break. Now, by law, we're probably supposed to get our two 15 minute and a 30 minute lunch, but that doesn't always happen. And I'm just going to leave it at that. So when I stepped away between that 10 and 11 o'clock, it may be something simple as fruit, as nuts. Um, Just to be honest, it was probably a lunchable, but I had something in my tank, something in my cup to keep me through the next few hours until lunchtime, right? And so I'll go back to the floor and now I'm even prepared. I don't need a sneakers. I'm not frustrated. And now I can even help with teamwork um, and cluster my care to help provide to my patients. And so I would cluster my care for the noontime, make sure patients are fed, medications are done and make sure, you know, ask nurses, hey, if you want to go ahead and go to lunch, go. And so then around 2 p.m., I'm ready to step away and actually take a lunch break. Um, And with taking my lunch break, most of the time bring something from home because now I don't have to cut out my lunch break to try to go find something to eat. And probably what I'm bringing is healthier than what I actually will buy inside the hospital and less expensive, even if it was fruit. And so I'll actually sit there and eat and being mindful of when I'm eating lunch, let's not talk about patients during lunchtime because you're taking a physical break, but also take a mental break. And so after I eat lunch, then when I get back to the floor, that three to seven time frame, hey, it is smooth like butter and let's just get through it. Um, But that's how my typical 12 hour day looked. But you can check out an article on high protein and high energy snacks for nurses on nurse.org for more ideas. And then the last thing up under physical health is staying hydrated. Now, this is just facts. According to the Institute of Medicine, 13 cups of daily fluid intake is recommended for men and nine cups of daily fluid intake is recommended for women. And of course, I have to say we have to limit our caffeine intake, um, sodas and of course, alcohol. No, we're not drinking on the job. But for those of us that may resort to a drink afterwards, you know, we just have to be mindful of that. Limit alcohol intake and other drug use. So let's get into the mental health part of it. In addition to exercise and diet, other ways to improve mental health include making rest a priority, focusing on the positive, creating a support system and setting boundaries. So let's talk about making rest a priority. We know that resting you know, with rest, we need it. And so this just may be something as creating a sleep routine or taking a vacation, even though it may be a staycation and you don't actually go anywhere, but take time off from work and actually utilize your your days off from work as well or as scheduled instead of picking up overtime or feeling obligated to pick up overtime. Now, focusing on the positive, this is just you finding ways to see things from a positive perception. Um, So this may be finding things that you are grateful for and challenging any unhelpful thoughts that you may have. So for me, it's 
just as simple as waking up in my right mind with the activity of my limbs and able to get up and go to work and to go to a job. Hey, I am grateful for that. And then even on my worst day at work, even when I was at the bedside, I would always keep in mind that, hey, at the end of this day, I get to clock out and I get to go home. And these patients don't get to do that, right? And so just focusing on the positive and now creating a support system. There's a few things I want to talk about in creating a support system that may be spiritually, socially, getting back to your habits, interests, and hobbies, or professional support. So spiritually, return to what gives you meaning and get you grounded in your faith, your hope, and in your beliefs. For me, I am a Christian, so I am big on waking up, reading my Bible, doing a devotion, and I may even journal some just to get my thoughts together so that I can trust that, hey, this day I've already submitted it to God. Now, socially, be intentional to meet with your family, your friends, your associates occasionally, and just socialize. Doing this allows you to see that, hey, life is lifing for everyone. And so it just helps you get outside of yourself. And it's not that you are excited that somebody is maybe going through something worse than you, but you just realize that, hey, you're not alone in this. And so get out there and socialize. And for the most part, when it comes to nursing, sometimes helps to talk to another nurse because we know that people who are not nurses don't truly understand some of the things that we go through. Now, for habits, interests, and hobbies, create, get creative and start doing things that you used to love to do. Maybe when you were younger or before you even started nursing school, this may be coloring, drawing, writing, building things, reading books, or just explore something new. You may want to start going on a nature walk, um, just whatever that may be for you. And then lastly, professional support. It's okay to seek professional help and counseling services. If you feel like you are experiencing signs and symptoms of burnout, or you just need guidance or anything, it is okay. I've learned that it's okay for me to have Jesus, to have Lexapro, and to have a counselor, okay? Um, and then set boundaries. It's okay to say no, and we must be okay when others say no. And just know that boundaries protect your well-being, your overall well-being, and others. And these boundaries may include physical, sexual, mental, emotional, financial, and or time boundaries. But please check out how to set boundaries at work as a nurse by Nurse Alex for more tips on how to set boundaries and why it's important. She even goes on to explain four ways to say no. And one way that I loved is that she said, hey, I would, but my plate is full. So I love that excuse. So let's do a recap. We've talked about the nursing profession, the realities of nursing, of just, hey, I love being a nurse, but we're concerned about the future of nursing and dealing with burnout. We talked about the nursing shortage, and then we got into talking about burnout and what it is. Do we feel emotionally drained? Do we feel emotionally exhausted? Um, and then what we could do about it, we got into talking about self-care, just talking about self-care, doing the things that's intentional to take care of our overall physical health and mental health. And of course, keeping our cup full. And like Keith Carlson said, we can use the self, uh, the nursing process to even help with this, help with our self-care. And then we got into the different parts of physical health, which was um, regular exercise, healthy eating and staying hydrated. And then we got into the mental health, how to improve our mental health in addition to 
exercise and healthy eating, um, which was making rest a priority, focusing on the positive, creating a support system, whether that's spiritually, socially, um, through habits, interests and hobbies or professional support. And of course, setting boundaries. So this leads me to my fourth topic, resilience, and how do we keep moving forward? So published in the Journal of Nursing Administration, there's an article, The Effect of Nurse Practice Environment on Retention and Quality of Care via Burnout, Work Characteristics, and Resilience. And they talked about how resilience can assist in mitigating the feelings of burnout by providing nurses coping mechanisms to minimize their feelings. And so what is resilience? Resilience is the ability to endure and overcome challenges while remaining optimistic for the future. And so I believe that focusing on self-care may allow us as nurses to become more self-aware and create coping mechanisms to endure and push through the challenges that we face as nurses. And most of us as nurses, because, you know, we want to help others, it shows that we have an innate ability to already be resilient and that we are strong and compassionate and we have empathy and the willingness to want to take care of others. So we should want to take care of ourselves. So we must practice what we teach and desire for our patients, our families, our friends, and our community so that we don't experience burnout and that we are mindful to take care of us, the nurse too. Now, if you found this episode helpful, please rate and review the podcast. It will personally help me grow as a nurse podcaster and will help nurse.org reach more listeners. Um, and share it with a friend who could use this information as well. You can also feel free to follow me on All One Nurse through Instagram and through Facebook. And that is All One Nurse, A-L-L-O-N-E, Nurse. Hope to see you there. Thank you. Thanks for joining Nurse Converse, brought to you by Nurse.org. Help us grow by leaving a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Nurse.org supports nurses with career and education tips, life advice, and breaking news. Thank you for all you do and for being you.